0: So your role in the, the fund manager over how, however many years mm-hmm. started becoming the guy that was going to the Utah Jazz Games, you know, courtside, <laughs> traveling, going to Dubai, meeting with the big investors. Mm-hmm. If, if you could give just a brief highlight of that, you know, what is that like? What is it like to brush shoulders with, you know, royalty? And, well, and,
1: I'll tell you this. It doesn't work mm-hmm. if you're like Googling all over them, right? Right. <laughs> you 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 have to you have to treat them just like they put their pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else mm. you know now a mutual respect for who they are for who i am et cetera, is super valuable you know but you know i had i had the nba players at my house a lot of times mm. and they came because it was a cool fun place to hang out and i wasn't i never was like hey can we get a selfie together not mm. once even the first time I met him, I never got selfies. People are like, why don't you have more pictures with you and Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell, all these guys? I said, "Cause like, I wasn't that guy. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. You know, if they want a picture. They could take one with me. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know
0: what I mean? Exactly.
1: And so, so yeah, it was, it was, and, and it, we've had such an amazing opportunity to connect with such amazing people. And I will tell you that Getting into that world, it's a very small group. It's super amazing how many of the power players of the world are all connected, mm-hmm. you know? And so, be- right before COVID, uh, Vanessa and I were in a different country almost every other week. Um, we were speaking to royalty and world leaders and, and um, big billionaires and change makers about the charity work we were doing and helping. Change laws and create awareness, which was super powerful, mm-hmm. and uh, and we still have this beautiful rol- rolodex. I mean, we've had we've had royalty fly in and stay at our home, but you know what? They're just regular people. This is back to mm-hmm. where we started mm-hmm. in the conversation. You have to understand, you every single person listening to this podcast, every single person, are just as powerful, just as beautiful, just as divine as billionaires and royalty and world leaders, I promise you, I don't care if your job is, is being a street sweeper. Mm-hmm. I love and value you as an infinite being of power and light just as much as I do these people I know who are royalty. Mm, that's powerful. And so if that wasn't enough, you know, being uh, the
0: fund manager of a multi-billion dollar real estate fund, you were also moonlighting. Uh, you were 007, you know, <laughs> under, you know, secret operations. Yeah.
1: What, what's that about? Well, I'll tell you this, mm-hmm. I'll start it out with this mic drop story. Okay. So, um, of Vanessa, you can look her up. She's a f- pretty famous actress in Columbia. She was in all the TV series at the time and mm-hmm. a long time ago, Her face was in posters and stuff. Awesome. We met in Haiti. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, Doing some stuff with anti child trafficking in Haiti, and she was donating her time at the orphanage in Haiti. And so I tell people meeting a beautiful Colombian actress is kind of cool, but when she's donating her time at an orphanage in Haiti, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And here's my mic drop. <laughs> you ready? So, Henry Caville, mm-hmm. look him up. He's the actor who plays Superman. Mm-hmm. Henry was at Vanessa's work almost every other day, mm-hmm. almost every day. They started dating, and then she met me. Mm-hmm. I stole Superman's girlfriend. Let's go. <laughs> that is the mic drop. Now, you're not going to find pictures of them online, <laughs> but that the, you have to and then ask yourself, mm-hmm. why would somebody of her caliber that mm-hmm. literally could have anything she wanted? Mm-hmm. I mean, she's she's got Superman wanting to date her. And in fact, in her phone, mm-hmm. He had his name, his name was in there as Henry Cavill, my future husband, changed it to Henry Cavill, the fake Superman. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so then the question is, Mm -hmm. what did I have to do in my life Mm -hmm. to get myself to the point where I qualified for a woman like that, Mm -hmm. right? That could literally have anybody she wanted, but she chose me. What was it? Was it the money? Actually, it wasn't the money at all. In fact, I have some beautiful stories. I'm going to tell two of them just because they're awesome. We, um, when we first started dating, we had to go to a gala and she didn't even have a gala dress. She was a former actress, but she didn't even have a gala dress. And so we went to a store and I found a dress. It was a a beautiful gala dress. It was a little over Mm
0: $2,000.
1: And she looks at the tag. She knows I can afford it, right? She said, Paul, what's the average cost of rescuing a child? And I said, "Uh, average cost is about $2,000. dollars she said, "I'm not wearing a child." Mm. She said, "You can buy me a two hundred dollar dress, mm-hmm. and I'll be just fine." And she rocked that wow. two hundred dollar dress. Oh. We were to like nine galas with it <laughs> right before we bought her some that more. Is awesome. You know, beautiful mm-hmm. and uh, and. Uh, another beautiful story too about mm-hmm. how it wasn't the money there. Yeah, we we were in we were in uh, Monaco. We were we were at the Grand Prix there. We got invited to speak on the back of a super yacht. I was speaking there. A bunch of billionaire families there, and one of them was Bernard Vuitton mm. of the Louis Vuitton family. Oh, okay, right. Mm-hmm. Now put this into perspective. Vanessa doesn't have any Louis Vuitton shoes, Louis mm-hmm. Vuitton purses. She's like, why would I spend five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars on a purse? Right. Mm-hmm. We can spend that on helping to rescue the children. And so we were sitting there. This is super funny. He's uh, uh he heard us speak. He wanted to go to breakfast with us the next morning. So it's just me and Vanessa and Bernard Vuitton. And uh, and he's 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 in his you know he's older, maybe in his sixties. And he's going through a bunch of pictures on his phone. He's showing us of modeling pictures when he was in his twenties. Mm. Now Vanessa has. She, she, she barely heard of Louis Vuitton, right? Mm-hmm, she doesn't mm-hmm. know that they've been around for a hundred and plus years, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And she so so she, he's going through these modeling pictures and she goes, oh, modeling? Is that how you got into the fashion business? <laughs> 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 and, and it wasn't until the next day when Bernard invites us to his home to meet mm-hmm. his wife and we're in his home and there's this beautiful opulent office and there's all these black and white pictures of the original Louis Vuitton family. Wow. Vanessa whispers to me, she goes, he didn't start Louis Vuitton. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so, you know, to find a woman with that kind of heart, mm-hmm. it wasn't that I was a multi-billion dollar fund manager mm-hmm. that attracted her. What attracted her was the fact that when we met, I was in Haiti. Mm-hmm it's, it's a mess, right? There's a lot of challenges going on there. And I had been there a lot of times and had found the children that ended up being the the rescue of 34 children. They did a, a documentary on it called Operation Toussaint, which was, which followed the the story of some of these kids. Now you don't see me because I was still undercover at the time. Mm. You, you see my, my, my face is blurred when I'm laughing with the traffickers at the time, but mm. those are the missions that I was on and found these children. And she saw that and I saw her heart and I had done the work on me. In fact, I had gone to a Tony Robbins event. I was super frustrated with the fact that all of my, all of my work, I had started in my mind, through my mouth, through my words, and through my actions, created huge companies and foundations. Mm. But I had never done that from a relationship standpoint. And I had gone through Mm. two failed marriages and I'm just super frustrated. How do I, how do I fix that part of my life? Mm -hmm. And Tony... Had, had called me and he said, Paul, hey, I know, you know, Glenn Beck, I think it'd be great to have him come to my conference. And I called up Glenn. And he goes, yeah, that'd be awesome. So we went and picked up Glenn. We went to the Unleash the Power Within. And there's a part of Tony's conference where he has this section where you identify exactly what you want in your business life. You can feel it, you can sense it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he takes you emotionally so that you're there and you can taste it. It's just powerful. I realized I'd never used that in my relationship life. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write down, and I was, I was with somebody at the time, and I wrote down my relationship with this person is, and this is how this person shows up in my life. And a few minutes into it, God said, Paul, don't put anybody in that box, right? You have no ability to use your manifestation skills and change another person. You can create changes in yourself and create an environment that allows them to change, but you don't have the ability to change their free choice. Mm -hmm. So instead I wrote down my relationship with the woman in my life is, this is how the woman in my life shows up for me. This is how I show up for her and pages and pages and pages. And I found out that very night that the girl I was with wasn't a match. Mm -hmm. And less than two months later, I'm in Haiti and I meet Vanessa and every single thing on that list was there. So I, I joke and I say, yeah, I, I, I created her right, <laughs> through that manifestation. Mm-hmm. But she's now the the executive director of the Child Liberation Foundation. And that has been my passion for the last 10 years. And so that's mm-hmm. where you're, you know, yep. I wanted to bring her into this picture yeah. because because it's that charity work that brought us together. And that's where our true passions are. Mm -hmm. But I can start out way in the past of how that started and get to this place today.
0: I'll tell you what. And uh, anyone that knows me knows that I am an avid yerba mate drinker, even over coffee. I'll have my tea. And the fact that she likes Monte, I think that's a good sign. So, no, I, that's really awesome. She's in the other room as well. So I'm glad you brought her in and, and uh, gave her the kudos also. As far as like where she's not drawn to money or success, she's drawn to these these aspects of life. Like there's there's very, I don't think I can put into words how important what you're doing with the Child Liberation Foundation is. I have two kids. Anytime I talk about the subject, it feels. Affects me, you know. It affects my emotional state. It affects just because it's hard to imagine helpless humans in those situations. Yeah. How how did you get involved in that? What you know? What what does that look like? Is because when you see it, you can't unsee it, and that's yeah. the truth.
1: And that's that's what changed my life mm-hmm. was seeing it for the first time. So I had I had been involved with a lot of charity work. I was. I was on the Make-A-Wish Board of Directors for seven years. I was the incoming chairman for Make-A-Wish here in Utah when I got a call from Sean Reyes, our attorney general, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to the darkest world that I could possibly imagine. And um, there's a movie coming out. Angel Studios just picked up the distribution, so I'm hoping it comes out this year. It's called The Sound of Freedom. Mm-hmm. And the real story I'm going to tell you right now mm-hmm. is the the basis for that film. In that film, uh, Jim Caviezel, uh, he played Jesus, Passion of the Christ, Count of Monte Cristo. He plays the part of the Homeland Security agent, him. He's and, one of my favorite actors, oh, by the he's, way. He's awesome. So awesome. good. Awesome. So good in that yeah. film. And uh, the actor who plays me is actually a producer of the film. His name is Eduardo Verostigi mm-hmm. And because when we filmed the film, I, I was still undercover. And so he couldn't play Paul Hutchinson. So he, so he plays Pablo Delgado, the mm-hmm. billion-dollar fund manager who quits his job to go help rescue kids and... Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful film, and it starts out with uh, with the Homeland Security and trying to find these children. We actually took eight different missions that we did and brought them all together into the same storyline. But everything in that film happened, whether it was by some of our operators or myself or Tim or others. Everything actually happened. We just brought it all into one storyline with with what uh, with what Jim was doing mm. there, which was powerful. And so here's here's where I came into the picture. I get a phone call and. Um, I'm introduced to uh, this world of child trafficking, and I'm asked to help raise some money. There's, there's 20 children in Cartagena that I was told that were being sold for horrible things, uh, sex trafficking. Uh, these were just children, mm-hmm. and they needed $50,000 to rescue these children. Now, for me, in my world at the time, you know, ten thousand dollars with Make a Wish, I could, I could send a little girl to Disneyland w- with her family, which was important. She's struggling with cancer, right? Mm-hmm. But fifty thousand here, we could pull twenty children out of hell and get them back to their families. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't a comparison. So I says, absolutely, let's figure out how to make that happen. A couple of weeks later, I get a phone call, and he said, uh, he said, Paul, he said, I'm here in Cartagena. He said, there's not just twenty children here. There's more than fifty. Mm -hmm. And there's more than a hundred children tied to the same trafficking rings in other parts of the country. He said, we need to do a simultaneous sting on all three cities at the same time so we can take them all down so the traffickers don't talk to each other and set each other off. Mm -hmm. He said, I believe we can rescue over a hundred children at the same time on the same day, but I need your help in a bigger way. And I said, well, how much do you need? Mm Mm-hmm. He said, "I need you. Can you be in Colombia in two days?" Whoa. He said, "I have to have somebody who can effectively negotiate a multi-million-dollar real estate deal with the traffickers, with these guys who are selling the kids." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, the the head trafficker down here has a has an island, a piece of property inherited from his mother that." He believes he can create a Jeffrey Epstein type island. He, can, he needs about $8 million to build it out, but he can have a bunch of, of sex traffic children here and have wealthy men from America and other places fly in and pay big money. He believes he can make tens of millions of dollars a year off this project. He said, here's our plan. You fly in, you meet with him and you say, listen, I'm interested in funding this thing under one condition. We're going to have a party in a couple of weeks. You show up with the children that you control right now mm-hmm. 50 to 100 children and um, prove to me you can supply what we need to make this thing work. You prove it. I'm bringing some buddies down. We're going to have a sex party with you. If you can prove it, I'll fund your deal. And I'm sitting there at this table, and this trafficker looks over and he, he was so excited. I was willing to look at his project. He says, Pablo, he said, I have a gift for you. I said, Really? What's your gift? He leans forward and he hands me his phone. And there's a picture of an 11-year-old girl on his Mm. phone. He says, this is Princess. She's still a virgin. And he started talking about these horrific things you could do to this little girl. And I thought... I thought this is happening, and th- my a Navy SEAL that was standing behind me named Dutch. He was like he he he, he says oh, I need to go check out the the, the neighborhood, make sure everything is right. Later he said, and when we we're debriefing, he said that little girl looked like my daughter at home. Oof. He said I, I almost unholstered my weapon and took him out right there. Mm-hmm. He said I couldn't just. And this guy says, yeah, we just took delivery of some. And something he said he made me realize he had more than her. I said, Fuego, you just took delivery. You, you have more virgins? He goes, yeah, yeah, we got three or four more. I said, now you're bringing those to the party, right? He goes, oh, no, no. He said, they're too expensive. I said, they're too expensive. I'm already paying $25,000 for this party. Mm-hmm. 25, w- we were paying them $500 per child for a minimum of 50 children just for two hours in the afternoon. He goes, jefe, he said, you already paid $25,000. You want an epi virgin? It's going to cost you extra $2,000. will be $5,000 for that little one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's going to cost you maybe $10,000 more. I was so mad. I've got a nice shirt on. I've got a nice watch on. I'm like, mm-hmm you don't think I can afford an extra $10,000? Mm. He's like, oh no, hefe, no. I said, I want every one of mm. those virgins at my party. I said, they damn well better be virgins when they get there. They're not for you. They're for me. You understand? The stupid little mm. smile on his face. Because we had to get him out too, right? Yeah. He goes, oh yeah, hefe, understand. So two weeks later, we fly back in. These guys meet with the, the federal agents, the, the US embassy, the Colombian federal agents provided 40 agents for us. Four of them were like our our maids, four of them were our waiters and our our cooks. They're not very good cooks, but they're armed, (laughs) you know, (laughs) 25 were there to storm the party at the right time. Mm -hmm. And these guys showed up with 54 children. Uh, Almost every one of them were under the age of 16 years old, more than half of them were kidnapped from other countries. And... Uh, CBS did a little article on it that you can, you know, show the, the, the clips and stuff, but these guys showed up with all these children. We put the children in a separate place in the house and here's what was super powerful. We were sitting there. We were supposed to, um, once we have undercover cameras, so Mm -hmm. they're catching all of the information and whatever. So these, the children never have to stand trial, right? Mm -hmm. We have these traffickers on camera saying exactly why the kids were there and exactly what they're willing to do, et cetera. So that we have all the evidence necessary. After we have all of that on camera, we were supposed to give a sign, you know, order some tequila or something to the to the uh, the waiters. They're mm-hmm. supposed to go back radio, twenty two minutes later, mm-hmm. these guys storm the party and everybody gets arrested and rescue the kids. Mm-hmm. We give this sign, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, right? And the traffickers are like, okay, tequila, we're good to go, okay, let's start the party, right? They say, one stands up, I'm just go get the kids. Let's start having the party. And one says, I'll go get the cocaine. And I'm like, we didn't know what was going on. Now, what happened is the, the lady who was in charge of the, the child protective services was supposed to be there on the boat with, a, with the agents who were coming in. She like missed the boat, missed her alarm or something that morning. And so she had called and said, don't do this thing until I get there. It was 45 minutes after we had given the sign that they actually showed up. So now Whoa. here's the challenge. What do you do in that 45 minutes? Because they're ready to bring the kids out. You can't blow your cover. right there. How do you deal with that? Right. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they send up, Hey, let's go get the kids. And this was a divine blessing that I had the opportunity to be there. It wasn't anything special about me, but I have negotiated a whole bunch of business plans. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I said, guys, you know what? If you bring those kids out and stuff, I'm going to be partying for that. I'm going to be, especially at cocaine, I'm going to be screwed up for the next couple of days. I'm I'm loving. You guys just proved to me that you could do what I told you to do. Mm -hmm. So why don't we do this? Bring out a piece of paper instead. Let's draw out this business plan, right? Mm. I'm telling you, this was the darkest plan you can imagine. And and uh, Sean Reyes, our attorney general, he was, mm-hmm. it was before he was AG, he was there and he was translating a lot of this, ask him this question. It was dark. Here's what was scary. This business plan penciled, like it penciled. There was, we asked how much for a child and how much, you know, how much to, for an American child, how much for a Colombian child, how much, whatever. And we put all these out, how much you rent them out for. And, and it was tens of millions of dollars a year coming in off of this project that they had put together and we learned a lot really dark stuff that i don't even want to talk here about mm-hmm. what they would do to the kids and everything else mm-hmm. and so finally you know when the agents came stormed the party arrested everybody 30 child protective services people came in with the children mm-hmm. and they started laughing and singing with the children just trying to calm them down and that sound of freedom this is why the movie is called the sound of freedom mm-hmm. that sound of freedom of those children was the most beautiful sound that I ever heard. Mm-hmm. Especially compared to half an hour before where that little girl, the same one he showed me on the phone, little 11-year-old standing up, no taller than I was as I was sitting down and the tear stains in her makeup face shaking. Com- compare that and the sound of those children crying to the, to the laughing and singing that they had there. I started crying. Mm-hmm. And I turned to, to Sean. I said, I I. I, I, I've been making rich people richer. I want to make a difference. What do you need? I'll write you a big check. And he said to me, he said, Paul, he said, unfortunately, the majority of demand for this horrible act in second and third world countries comes from wealthy, connected guys with egos in first world countries. Mm. He said, I can't teach my Navy SEALs how to wear a $4,000 watch and or suit and a $50,000 watch and negotiate a multimillion dollar deal. He said, and I, I don't know of any ultra successful business owners who's had the training that you've had. He said, if you're willing to be the bait, Mm -hmm. I'll change your whole life. Mm. And so since that time, I have been involved with or led over 70 undercover rescue missions in 15 countries and just finished the last ones last year. And I can talk in detail about some of those rescues, some of them mm-hmm. where we got arrested for real by them and by the wrong cops and, you know, all kinds mm-hmm. of crazy stories there. The every, and, and some of them, some of them don't end up with a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Some of them, some of the traffickers got away and the children are still there. It's, it's sad. And here's what happened. 10 years ago, when I was on that first rescue mission, And that little 11-year-old standing in front of me with the tear stains on her makeup face, looking at me like I was the devil, Mm. I made a commitment to myself and to God at that moment that I would do everything in my power to eradicate that from the face of the earth. There was nothing more evil that I could think of. Than somebody selling a, an eleven-year-old virgin to a stranger for something like that, I couldn't imagine that it was. The, and at the time, it was estimated somewhere around eight million children were in that situation. And so I thought, whatever it takes, I'm going to raise money. I'm going to do undercover. What do I need to do to make this go away for mm-hmm. good? And what happened is, the end of last year, we had just finished up some rescue missions in in uh, in Ecuador took down six different rings down there, some uh, rescued a bunch of kids. And I looked at the numbers and I realized there's more children being sold today than there was 10 years ago. And so I asked myself, Paul, if your goal in your life is to eradicate this from the face of the earth, then going undercover and pulling 20 children out at a time is not fixing the problem. So for a long time, I thought, okay, what is the symptom? What are, these are all symptoms. What is the cause? What is the mm-hmm. cause? And for a long time, I thought maybe the cause was pornography addiction. Mm-hmm. When, when you take a woman from a divine feminine to an object and you go down a dark road and you get addicted and then you need something harder to have that same fix and some people it's younger and younger, maybe that's the cause of it. I've realized that even that is a symptom just like trafficking, right? Mm-hmm. There's a deeper cause to all of it one child being sold is unacceptable. 8 million is beyond comprehension. Mm -hmm. But that's a tiny number compared to the real problem. Here's the real problem. 40% of all women have been a victim of sexual violence in their life. One fourth of all women have been a victim of sexual violence as a child. Mm. Okay. Now, the number with men is less. It's about 20%. That's one in every five men have been a victim of that kind of violence. Mm-hmm. And of those, about one-fourth of them, it ex- they experienced it under the age of 10 years old, mm-hmm. most of them in their own homes. So that's approximately 200 million men in this world who were who were a victim of that kind of violence, that Mm. kind of, you know, taking away their innocence as a very young child. And here's what happens. Some of them grow up with just low self-esteem. They're holding it in and they're, you know, not able to really blossom in the way that they could in their life. Others, God bless them, have done the work and have worked through their issues and have gotten to a place that they could shed that trauma from their life and be a good father and a good husband and a good contributor to the world and, and, and not allow that to define them. Unfortunately, there are some who end up being contact offenders themselves. Hmm. And they, they hurt people, hurt other people. What does contact offender mean? means pass on that trauma, okay? okay, in some way. Whether it is, you know, even, even being verbally abusive to a child, mm. physically abusive to a child, or sexually abusive to a child, okay? So that, when, you're, when you've been raped as an eight-year-old and you grow up and now you have a big ego and you have no regard for other people and you mm. haven't softened your heart, then what happens? Oh, I was raped as a 10-year-old. What does that matter if I rape another 10-year-old? Whatever, mm. that's what's going on. In some some people's minds. And so people say, well, okay, well, what do we do? Do we just put them all in prison? No. Okay, here's here's the answer. People ask me, Paul, how can you go face to face with somebody selling an eight-year-old and not have them see the anger in your in your heart and in your face towards them? Mm -hmm. And my answer is, it's because I love them. You can't love them. They're selling a child. No, I love the innocence of the child more, but you can look at every single human being with infinite Christ-like love. Infinite. Mm -hmm unconditional love. Now, I'm going to do everything I can to ensure that child is never hurt again, ensure that that person who has crossed that line never gets to a point where they can hurt another child. However, I can help them see that their past does not define their future, right? Mm-hmm. If, if somebody had childhood trauma, if, if they were physically, verbally, or sexually abused as a child, that does not have to define them today. Every single cell in your body is completely anew less than a year or so later, okay? So the physical you that was there when you were abused is already gone and transformed. The only thing that is holding on to it is right here, your subconscious. So if we can help people heal that trauma, I believe that if you put me in a room Mm -hmm. with 100 pedophiles, And a hundred traffickers. And you said, Paul, you have an hour with these guys. You either have a gun with no retribution Mm -hmm. or you have a microphone. What would you take? I would take that microphone.
0: Mm.
1: And that would be the most transformational 60 minutes of their life. I would take them into the pit of hell. I would show them. I would tell them the stories of me seeing eight-year-olds being sold. Mm in chains, being taken from their families. I have seen it firsthand. I have been in the darkest, deepest recesses of hell. I have seen what happens when people go down that dark road. I would take those that room of men and women to the deepest res- recesses of hell. I would show them the depravity. I would make every one of them cry. And then I would pull them out and say, okay, now let's talk about what it takes to heal. Hmm. And I believe there's a road to healing. For all people. Now, they probably still need to stay in prison for Mm -hmm. a long time, if not for life, Mm -hmm. right? But I believe everybody can heal and I can look at them with infinite love and I can help them heal. Now, if we can do that with those people who have already Mm -hmm. crossed the line, Mm -hmm. what can we do with systems and programs that can help people change the perceptions of themselves, change how they are allowing that trauma to affect their lives. And if we can heal people before they pass that trauma on, then we will not have this generational trauma that is plaguing the world mm-hmm. today. So that's my mission moving forward is the Child Liberation Foundation for many years was here to rescue the a 10-year-old from the clutches of a trafficker in Mm. Ecuador. Today, it's not only that, but it's here to help rescue the 10-year-old inside of every 30, 40, 50-year-old man or woman who still holds on to trauma from when they were a child, helping them heal that, truly learn to love themselves, to forgive themselves and to forgive others so that we can literally help rescue millions of children.
0: Mm. That's powerful. You, uh, you took us through the whole life cycle and, uh, you took us even through that stage of how to get to that Christ level of consciousness, even in those, the darkest situations. Um, I want to, I want to bring it back to the beginning of that and ask you, how do you get into the right mindset for those situations?
1: What is your psychology like? When I'm going before, into mm-hmm. undercover work, mm-hmm. it goes back to what we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. wherein fear and faith cannot exist in the same person at the same time, right? Mm -hmm. When you have unwavering conviction about something, unwavering, you know, John chapter five talks about having faith unwavering. That's the the key word there is unwavering. Mm -hmm. And faith, a lot of people think that faith is a religious term. Faith is a universal law. It's the most powerful law in the universe. Mm -hmm. And it's simply this, it's the unwavering conviction that what I want to have happen will happen. People have a hard time with unwavering conviction about anything. Mm -hmm. Should I marry this woman? Should I start this new job? Should I move to this new city? Whatever. And it's because they don't know if it's in line with what their God wants, Mm -hmm. right? In these situations, when we're doing undercover work, it is easy for me to have that unwavering conviction because I don't care if you believe that God is a a man or a woman or a mountain or a cloud or a universe or a whatever. It doesn't matter. There's no higher power in the universe that's okay with an eight-year-old being raped, Mm -hmm. period, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy for me to have unwavering conviction that the powers of God and the powers of the universe will come into play and will lead me to them and will keep me safe Mm -hmm. every time. And so by having that unwavering conviction, I can move forward. I, I, I had a, a talk with some, some uh, uh, Navy SEALs that were on the first time they were doing under, undercover with me. And they said, Paul, I want to see what you do. How do you do this? And I, I told them this story. I told them about the unwavering conviction. And they're like, okay. I said, and, and I said, you, you've seen the movie Finding Dory? you know, Finding Nemo, the second one, Finding Dory, this stupid mm-hmm. fish with a two second memory, right? And her face, her, her, her parents are somewhere in the ocean complex and she just keeps on swimming and per, pretty soon she finds them. I said, guys, mm-hmm. I might operate like Dory tonight. <laughs> They're like, what? I said, cause I'm not gonna follow logic and protocol. Oh, right, right. I'm listening. As mm-hmm. I put my hand on my heart, I'm listening here. And uh, I said, I said, every single one of these rescue missions that's what, that, that's what it's about. It's about listening. In fact, um, just one last year, uh, recently, uh, we, were, we, were, uh, we were in Ecuador mm-hmm. and the federal agents asked us to come and follow up with some leads. And, um, and they, w- there was a, a, a little girl that we had uh, already worked with that was in the hospital. She had gotten beat up by some of the traffickers. She was taken and she was told that she needed to earn $1,000 a day, otherwise she'd get beat up. This was the third time that she got beat up, and this was so bad she was in the hospital. So we were able to extract enough information to find out this, this area that she was in. And so the, the, the federal agents take me and, and a couple of my guys, and they drop us off into this area downtown. They say, this is, this is the area that she said that she was in, is this area downtown that she was being trafficked. We says okay. They says just, just see what you can find down here. So we, we, we get out and there's this courtyard and I'm, I'm, I'm standing there in the middle of the courtyard and there's drug dealer, drug dealer, prostitute, prostitute, just kind of, you know, it's a seedy area of town. And I'm just listening with my heart, just listening. And I'm looking around, nothing feels right. Nothing feels right. And then I, I look down this alley and there was this, this girl that was kind of leaning back against a wall with her foot up against the wall. immediately I felt it. That's mm-hmm. it right there. So I grabbed one of my guys. I said, come here. Let's come, come with me real quick. And we go up there and this is the kind of thing that happens every time, right? Mm-hmm. We go up there and I, and I say, como se llama? And she answers at Effie <laughs> you know, that's oh, your neighbor, okay. right? I'm like, I'm, and, and she, uh, she says, DS dollars $10. Wow. Horrible. How seedy, you know, and, and I, I pull out a $20 bill and she goes, oh, dos Effie Effie. And oh, I says, no, gosh. I said, I said, uh, I said, I said my broken Spanish, I said, mm-hmm. I, I've got, I've got a friend coming down looking for uh, something he can't get in the U S you know, mm-hmm. if you have some connections with some younger, she goes, Oh, no, I don't know anything about it. Okay. 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 I just put the money back in my pocket. And I went back down to the courtyard with the other guys and less than two minutes later, she comes down and she's pointing at me. She's come here, come here, come here. I go over and she goes, follow me. We go down this alley, this different alley around the corner. I went with one of the guys and we come up and there's these, these two big wooden doors and these guys out in front folding their arms, big dudes and uh old crappy sign that said "hostel" over the top. It wasn't a hostel. This mm. was a front for a brothel for mm. children. Wow. Right? And uh, tell them what we're looking for. And they open the door and there's some children right there, right there. I said, yep, that's what my boss wants. Yep, exactly. We geotagged the location. I exchanged contact information with them. Went back to the, uh, made sure we weren't being followed. Went back to the undercover van, got in, told the federal agent, showed them the place. And they said, oh, that's exactly where she said she was being sold. They didn't tell me exactly. It was an eight block area, right? Mm-hmm. And, and less than five minutes after being there, by listening, finding the right person, we were being led there. Then the next one was super powerful. They said, okay, now we're going to go and uh, there's a place we, we got some leads on. There's this, this uh, uh, spa that does nares and hair, hair and stuff, but they had a massage place in the back that was doing selling children out of it. It was a front for, for this place selling children. So we, uh, they drove around the city and got to this other place. And then the federal agent goes, oh, crap. yeah. I said, what? He says, it's closed down. They've already, they, they must've got tipped off that we were coming. The whole place is closed. So the spa's not even there anymore. And I said, no, stop. Because I could feel it. I could feel it. In my, I knew there were still children there. I knew it. He says, stop. This is, Why? I said, stop, I can feel it. They're still here. And this is what happens when you're, when you're following unwavering faith and coming from a place of pure integrity, you'll be able to be more sensitive to those intuitions in every area of your life. And so, so he says, okay, he stops and I get out. And, uh, one of the, the green berets, uh, Petter that was there with us, he opens the door and a couple of my, my operators get out. I get out and I go to the back of the van and I'm just, I'm just listening from the heart. I'm just listening. I'm looking back and forth. I'm looking at this place that this, that, that the kids used to be this, this spa area. And, uh, and there was a restaurant that was on the left-hand side and I, I, I felt I need to go in there. I went into the restaurant and I went right to the manager and I said, Hey, I'm i I'm supposed to, my friends told me about a massage place here. I said, is this still here? And he said, you got an appointment? Freaking knew that place was still there. Right. Mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't have an appointment. He goes, oh, I don't know anything about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you no, know, frigor. Mm-hmm. So I went out front, pe- different people walking by and I'm just listening and nothing out of the ordinary other than there was this lady that was walking and she's, she felt differently to me. She was walking her dog, I Walk over to the lady. And I said, Hey, I said, uh, you can help me with something And she goes. "What?" I said, I, um, I have an appointment for, a massage here. I don't even, I don't even know, but it, it looks like they closed down. She goes, you have an appointment? I, I kind of lied. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she makes a phone call and a few minutes later, these big steel doors open. This madam is there. Me and my operators go in. Tell her what we're looking for. She takes us up and around. We knew we were being watched. And, uh, um, but she takes us back to this back area and then there's this center, um, foyer and there's rooms all around the foyer with massage beds and queen size mattresses in each one of them. And then she pulls out a menu. This menu has pictures of children and has specifics about the things that you want to get and how much each one of them would cost. Mm. And I said, yep, that's what my boss is looking for. You know, we exchanged contact information. The feds were able to shut her down, shut the other ones down, rescued a whole bunch of kids right after we left because we were able to get in and find that information. This Mm -hmm. happens on every single rescue. And as long as you're in a place of complete, unconditional love and unwavering faith, you're protected and you're led in areas that you could never imagine.
0: After hearing all that, I feel compelled to ask, what is the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual toll that you have to pay in, in this position? What's the tax that you have to pay to do this?
1: You've got to be in a really good place from a spiritual standpoint to be able to go into the recesses of hell like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen guys go in there and they come out and it, it affects them. In both ways, either, you know, they're, they're sick to their stomach or they, you know, they just can't deal with it emotionally. Others come out of it with a really unhealthy ego boost. Hmm. Like, like, you know, Mm -hmm. did that, you know, and, and, uh, and that unhealthy ego boost shows up in, in all their relationships, how they treat other people. It's Mm -hmm. just, just this negativity just, just eats at them. And, um. A few years, about six years ago, and this was part of my transformation to qualify for a finally a healthy relationship, mm. I um, was one of my undercover operators came to me and he said, Paul, he said, uh, do you trust me? I said, yeah, you know, we do a lot of undercover stuff. Of course I trust you with my life. He said, um, he says, I found something that's helping me a lot in Getting rid of some of that negative energy and uh, that trauma we're holding on to. And I'm like, I don't hold on to the trauma. I'm Paul Effing Hutchinson, right? You mm-hmm. know, but my trauma was being held on to in that negative way, like I was saying, you know, an unhealthy ego and you know, unhealthy relationships. You know, I was I was in my, my second marriage that just was, you know, not working where it needed to be, et cetera. There was just a lot of things in my life that were that was because of how I was showing up or not showing up in my life. It was completely my doing. And uh, so he brought me into a guided meditation, transformational experience that changed everything for me, Uh, a deep dive into, you know, a non-conventional, you know, I could, therapists weren't helping me. Because my, my trauma was self-imposed. Mm. I wasn't Paul Hutchinson. I was Paul F. and Hutchinson, right? Built mm-hmm. a multi-billion dollar company and I rescued mm-hmm. the kids and this is, you know, I was super mm-hmm. unhealthy. And I would go into to therapy offices and I, I'd tell the therapist why I was so cool. You know, that's just how I was, <laughs> right? So, so being able to put me into a place where through a holistic uh, approach was able to put me into a deep theta state with some mm. some sound bowls and some other other modalities i was able to completely transform my life in ways i mean for example i felt in one of these guided meditation transformational experiences i the the facilitator took me to a place where I could feel in every single cell in my body, I could feel the pain that my children experienced when I cheated on their mom, mm. right? I could feel it. It was so dark and it was so heavy. I thought I was going to die. I couldn't even breathe. The, the, the depths of hell is where I was. I could feel myself so deep down in the earth. It was black. It was heavy. It was dark. It was so much pressure. And I, uh, I, I had these, these headphones on. I was listening to this, what I call journey music, you know, that was taking me there and I was going through my, and, and then I I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And so I switched my playlist to what I call my Jesus list, <laughs> right? <laughs> it was some beautiful music and mm-hmm. I could feel myself being transformed as I just, ugh, all of that crap that was just chains that were holding me down was there. And then boom, I flipped it back and I could go back down and I could feel the negativity that was being attached to me from being in those situations of, of the child trafficking type scenarios and stuff. And I was just, I could feel the pain of those children and, and it was so dark and so heavy. And then I changed it back to my music again and it pulled me out and I could, I could feel that transformation of, of, of letting go the decisions that I made of the past, letting go of the negative energy that other people had placed on me letting go of that negativity of being in some of those situations. And it was so transformational in so many ways that I was now able to see a clear path to a healthy relationship, to, to a healthy connection with, with everybody around me. And most importantly, a healthy relationship with myself mm. that wasn't based on ego and pride and, and fear. But it was, it was based on love and true forgiveness. Forgiveness for myself mm. for those stupid things that I did. Forgiveness for other people for the stupid things that they did when they mm. were out of integrity and being able to do good to a place where we could all move forward into the space of healing.
0: Hmm. So, Paul, let's talk, let's talk about the mechanics of that uh, meditation and the different modalities that. Have helped you back in the late '60s.
1: There were a lot of things that were thrown under the bus by the U.S. government, um, classified as uh, Schedule One uh, drugs, uh, put in the same classification as cocaine and and uh, heroin and some really horrible things. What I'm talking about is things like uh, psilocybin and white lily and sassafras and mistletoe different types of, of psychedelic type medicines. When my undercover operator told me about it, you know, we had to go to Mexico or Peru or Colombia or um, and uh, Costa Rica to be able to have these, these experiences legally. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, there's more dangerous to have that than it was to have whatever other, rob a bank, you know, you can go Mm -hmm. to jail for just as long for having these things. And John Hopkins University did a study, a bunch of studies recently, and found that 76% of people who experience one of these guided meditation, plant medicine, facilitated transformational experience 76% of them said it was the most the number mm-hmm. one most transformational experience of their life mm-hmm. and almost 100% of them said it was within the top 5 mm-hmm. most transformational experiences of their life mm-hmm. and so when when i was brought into one of these and there's there's a lot of different modalities you don't have to um, you don't have to use a, a, a psychedelic experience to be able to pull you through, but it's a lot more difficult. And we use, in some of our, our transformational experiences, we use uh, uh, equine therapy, you know, horses and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a great group in southern Utah called uh, the Rewilding Experience, Mustang Ranch down there. Amazing, transformational. You go in for four days, you do breath work. And I'm telling you, breath work can release as much DMT in your system as as using plant medicine. Mm-hmm. Super powerful when you have a a person who really understands how to take you there and bring you to that place of, of putting you into that theta state and 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 changing your perspective of, of life as a whole. It's super powerful. So mm-hmm. we've used uh, we have practitioners that that have studied in Latin America on drum healing. You mm-hmm. know on on the sound bowl healing, on breath work healing, on ecstatic dance type healing. There's a lot of different things that you can do as part of these experiences to transform. And uh, there's a lot of places throughout uh, Latin America, a lot of them that you can go for a transformational experience. In fact, we're putting one together now. We're we're called it, we're calling it Libertadores. It means the liberators in Spanish, right? (laughs) (laughs) Libertadores (laughs) healing. Ranch. Mm. And, uh, it's, it's, it's going to allow, uh, 20 to 30 people to come at one time. What part of South America? Uh, we're in uh, the Yucatan in Mexico. Oh, okay. we're looking at right now. So Central America? Yeah. Central Mm. America. Yeah. Not South America. In, in these experiences, we will, um, in fact, I'll go into detail as to what we do in some of these transformational experiences. Mm. Number one, there are people who will use some of these, uh, plant medicine tools is, is recreational stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't judge them, but I kind of do mm-hmm. because they're, but this isn't what we're talking about, they, right? These and, things yeah. are so powerful mm-hmm. when used correctly that you need to set sacred space as I call it. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I make sure that everybody that comes in, comes in with a very clear intention an intention of, of What a 2.0 version of yourself needs to look like, you know, whether it's, whether it's, it's breaking free of, of an addiction, you know, pornography addiction, or whether it's, it's learning how to really embrace self love. And forgive yourself, or forgive other people. Maybe it's letting go of some childhood trauma. Whether whether it's learning to live in the in the presence in every moment. Whether it's letting go of anger issues that are plaguing you. Whatever it is, identify something very specific that you want to work on. And and how I like to look at it is this: imagine you've you've got this. This, this maze, you've got the start and the finish line, right? And, and you're trying in your conscious world, trying to get to this finish line. This finish line might be breaking free of that addiction or self-love or getting over the, the trauma of losing a loved one or whatever it is, right? Mm. And you can't quite get there. During this experience with, uh, with psilocybin or others, you're able to have that, that route light up beautifully and you're able to get to that place of self-love or let go of that trauma in a really beautiful way. So that then a week later, a month later, a day later, whenever, if, if you start having some of those same thoughts and this, you know how to get to that place of letting that go. They, they've done scientific experiments, shown that you put the uh, you know some brain cells and some of these the psychedelics in there, they actually start growing some new dendrites, mm-hmm. right? There's some mm-hmm. actual physical things that are happening to mm-hmm. open up your your consciousness to a point where you can connect with God, connect with your mm-hmm. higher self, forgive yourself, and do all of this beautiful work. Where I I've seen ten and twenty years of therapy being done in twenty four to forty eight hours, super powerful. <sighs> so powerful.
0: What what you're saying is so important. There's not many things you can do in your day-to-day life that can take you out of this kind of habituation of our patterning and our thoughts and everything. It's like, if you were to imagine non-ordinary states, like what you're talking about is like pulling you out of this uh, box that you're living in. It's very hard to articulate, but some brain scams and M- MRIs have kind of shown this, which is regions of your brain that are generally dormant light up like fireworks. Yeah. And so you're making connections. And for me, anytime I've taken a plant medicine journey or, or gone through some, some sort of therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Medicinal therapy like this, it's allowed me to make connections and have epiphanies and break through limiting beliefs or uh, self-deprecating thoughts or thoughts of I'm not good enough. And so almost every, every time I have taken this, a uh, plant medicine, I have had a breakthrough in a positive way. And, and it, it has left me in a positive state for over two years, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it it's powerful that you've come to this realization or you are, you're embarking on this new journey of retreats and helping others heal. Cause ultimately that's what you're doing. That's
1: what it's all about is healing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, there's, my goal is, and we can't create retreats for eight billion people. You know, mm-hmm. that's why I'm on the podcast and speaking. If and mm-hmm. I'm writing a book called "Are You Listening?" That should be coming out in in the next little while. We're going to build that out into some some beautiful tools that people can use for healing. So mm-hmm. they'll have the tools that they can use from home to start changing their their negative habit patterns of thought similar to what we did with the anxiety company in my early 20s we had cognitive restructuring change the way that you think and you process things and literally change your life mm-hmm. so that's for the masses mm-hmm. but then there are people who are like you know what i want a transformational experience i i want to i want to really get some work done and so that's where these healing retreats are and we're we're, we're going to be building my goal mm-hmm. is over the next few years to have to have retreats all around the world we're looking at some space in Italy right now we're looking at a couple different ones in Latin America and uh, and and eventually you know we'll have some here in the. US as well mm-hmm. uh, right now the ones that we have here in the US are are doing uh, holistic therapy they're mm-hmm. not doing the plant medicine stuff yet but we have some other holistic stuff but that's something that's very quickly going to be coming uh, I believe that the FDA will start approving some of these these tools these plant medicines, by the end of this year, mm-hmm. in fact, our goal was to get Utah to be one of the first states to legalize it. We had some some great bills that were coming through, and it was going to be within certain parameters. We actually mm-hmm. took some Utah doctors and some pretty prominent, active Utah religious leaders, mm-hmm. some bishops, to Jamaica, fully legal there. The church doesn't have you know, the, the the prominent church here doesn't have any any negative things about using different types of herbs. They just say, you know. Keep the law, you know if mm-hmm. it's against the law, so you know they don't have anything specific, but especially when it has to do with with trauma healing, et cetera, so we took these active bishops and and some uh some doctors to Jamaica to have their first experience now, I will tell you this this is super <laughs> important it was a two night two, two night event mm-hmm. the very first one we 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 had it more of a, some of the doctors that were there wanted to kind of set it up as a clinical type of an environment. So they had everybody kind of laying on their, their cushions. They said, you know, don't get up, don't talk to anybody, just kind of internalize it all and work through it. And it was super heavy and it was super dark mm-hmm. to deal with that on their own. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, me and Jimmy, who mm-hmm. Jimmy Rex, who we, we were helping to sponsor it, we said, let's We've, we've done a lot of these Mm -hmm. and we really know how to make it work in a beautiful way to help people transform their life. So we're going to start out with doing what we call a heart opener, you know, some mm-hmm. cacao type of a thing, something that's a beautiful heart opening space. So we're going to then do some sound bowl stuff to really get you into this beautiful space You, You know, when you, when you, everybody's going to take their, their little drink of the, the, uh, the mushroom and stuff, and then mm-hmm. we're all going to lay down and get into this beautiful space of being able to just feel the energy. But then after you drop in, get up, go outside, look at the sunset, connect with nature and 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 feel the community of the loving people that are here as part of this group, these 20 people that are here. And if you feel called to share some of the things, share it. If you don't just listen and just, just be a part of this, this loving container. Mm-hmm. And that second night was the most transformational experience of most of their lives. And so it's so important that it's not just, hey, I'm on my own. I'm going to take some mushrooms and see what happens. No, having a a trained facilitator, understanding the different modalities of of using sound bowls and drum healing, et cetera, and then being able to communicate and work through some of those things with a living, breathing, loving human being who is there with you. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. In fact, way back 20 plus years ago, Mm -hmm. when I had the attacking anxiety and depression program that the, we had so many people that had the workbook that the very thing that they were fighting stopped them from overcoming it. It was the negative self-talk, I don't believe that I can get through this. And so the, they have the tools, but they wouldn't believe it. And so we put together a personal coaching program and our coaches were not therapists and psychiatrists. Our coaches were people who had been through it before, mm. who had overcome it, that give them the most important ingredient which was belief, Mm. you give them belief in themselves that they can, now they can use those tools and move forward. Same thing in these healing journeys, by bringing in a container of people who, different people who have experienced different things in their life, that that together can create that value in each other's healing experience and give them that belief and the support that they need to move forward. That's where transformation happens.
0: It's so true. What would you say to the person on the fence right now? The person's on the fence. I would fence... say,
1: I would say, read read a book called "Change Your Mind," or read a book called "The Immortality Key." Mm. Both of them have lots of scientific backing behind them, and and will help you see it from a different light. Number one, number two, most people that are on the fence is just because they've been trained for the last fifty years that. These things are as bad as cocaine. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is just super silly. They're just, mm-hmm. they're 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 not. There, there's never been cases of, of you know, you don't get get addicted, there's no overdose, and they're super transformational. And make sure that you find a trained facilitator who knows how to work with the medicine, how to how to help people through the trauma. You know, we we uh we host these a lot. You know, we're 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 going down to Mexico next week. And uh, we we love bringing people into this world of transformational healing. Now, here's something super beautiful too. If you take the time to heal, and this this is this is my this is my little secret method of 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 healing the world. Okay, so here's how you heal the world in one lifetime, mm-hmm. right? And then I'll c- condense it down to only a few years. <laughs> so, if you take an entire year. Mm-hmm. To heal yourself, or you take some of these tools and heal yourself. And then next year, you take an entire year, and between all the other things you're doing, you simply help two people heal, right? You help them heal from their trauma, come into a beautiful new place, everything. You help them shed all of that and heal. Then they make the commitment that the next year they're gonna help two people heal. So now they've got four people that they're helping heal that next year. 33 years, you're over 8 billion people. Wow. Right, that's the power of compounding interest, right? Mm, and so, powerful. if you can help somebody heal, and it takes a whole month, you bring them into one of these healing journey experiences. Mm-hmm. You you come in for a week or two, and they they do a transformational thing, and then they go and they help some other people. They help two people heal. It's thirty three months, not years, that we hit eight billion people. It's just a matter of really, truly finding a way to pass it on. In the in the the Alcoholics Anonymous program two of the real keys there is number 1 a connection with a higher power you know your connection with god and another one that that if you don't do this your chances of falling back into being an addict are pretty high one of the last keys to success is helping somebody else overcome their addiction right mm-hmm. it's that it's that once you've transformed yourself being able to go and help others that's what's going to change the vibration of all mankind. It's going to help heal the world and that will help rescue millions of children.
0: What um where can people find you? What, you know, do they go to your website? Do they go to, you know, is it one place that they can go? Or yeah, is so, there multiple places? So
1: um I had for a long time, I had Paul Hutchinson official mm-hmm. just because there was a lot of Paul Hutchinsons, you know. So but I, I, don't want to be a celebrity, right? I don't need that official. So we're we're actually trying to rebrand. But I will say that whatever the rebrand looks like, mm-hmm. you can go to Soul Healer Double O Seven, mm-hmm. and it will either be the website or it'll point you to it. The book coming out will be called "Are You Listening?" Mm-hmm. and talking about the first step to healing is. Do you linked. have a release date? Um, it should be within the next two months. We're we're in okay. the final phases of putting it all together, and so super excited about that that mm-hmm. that will be all about learning how to listen to your heart and transforming your life through that that realizing that every one of us were born with the ability to feel and recognize the spirit of truth mm-hmm. and and goes through a number of them i just told a couple of one of them here of listening to find those children but it goes through a number of the stories where where it was absolute divine intervention it was learning to listen to that intuition that still small voice of truth within our hearts that were able to lead us exactly to where those children were every single time mm. so that's awesome. and then how you can use those same tools mm-hmm. to to help lead your life into a place of total personal transformation, whether it's abundance financially, whether it's abundance in your, your relationship life, whatever it is that you're searching to have a more fulfilled life by learning to listen, that's going to transform it. So true. Deep listening is a,
0: is a lost art and it's a skill that will transform everybody's life. Yeah. And people need to listen better, active listening. All right, guys, if you, we brought you any value today, like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. Share this with anyone that you think needs to hear the wisdom from 007 in the flesh. The real-life soul healer 007. Man, I mean, we could have gone for another three hours easy. So, But uh, I think I think we're good for now. Let's, well, let's do a round two in the near future. But uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.